Welcome to Draft Sickos, the show where we cover everybody from the biggest names to the deepest sleepers. I'm Maxwell Baumbach, and I'm joined at this time by the real star of the show. And we already have a technical issue out of the gate. <laughs> because I am I'm so fired up, Steven. We've got fresh film to talk about. We've got real games, we've got real basketball, and I can't contain my excitement. I'm I'm pushing the button for a break. A minute in because my, my heart is pounding a million miles a minute. I need a break because I'm so fired up from all this basketball we've watched. Steven, how are you doing? I am so happy to be here with you, Maxwell. Um, mm-hmm. uh, like you said, man, we, college basketball is back. And I know I'm not trying to like cast spurgeons on other leagues. Like I know the international play has yep. been in play. I, I know that we've seen some G League, but it's just a whole nother level. It feels like the cycle has really kicked off now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just really excited, man. But beyond that, some news has come out since our last show. Our uh, boards are now made public, so we are subject to yeah. constant scrutiny, which we welcome um, all <laughs> yep. for it. I've already gone back and tinkered my big board. for So for everyone who is a No Ceiling Plus member, you need to like mm-hmm. use that link to your advantage. Check it out and just see how yeah. often we're going in there and making adjustments. Because, Maxwell, I don't know about you. I had some preconceived notions about how I thought lineups were going to work out. And it was made yeah. pr- pretty apparent pretty quickly for a lot of teams that, okay, time to move on from that notion. So this uh, sleeper isn't, is uh, going to sleep a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had a couple, I've had a couple of those that I'm like just peeking through box scores. And it's like, I was really excited about this freshman who has played four total minutes, <laughs> three games, but, but I think, I think we did pretty well as a collective. So yeah. If you go to no ceilings, You'll see our composite boards there. Um, really proud of some of the guys that I think we were really ahead of the curve on. Um, I know that we are the peak ranking on Dalton Connect. Um, yep. We were we were in on Garway Duval, who was the guy that you know hit or miss which places he's at. Um, but yeah, it's it's a really exciting start. And if you are a No Ceilings Plus member, you can see all of our individual boards. Sturdy Dancer points out, I'm a team overreact to small sample sizes on my board. I I have not tinkered. So I submitted mine like a week and a half ago. I've left it in there. I What I need to do is go in and like just put in the guys that have overly impressed me. I'm not ready yeah. to like move off of anybody yet. Um, but like some of the players we'll talk about tonight. It's like, okay, this guy's legit. Maybe I thought Time he was to put Kerry guy back in there, you know? Yeah, yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's, let's... Just <laughs> give some of these guys some love. So we are going to hit our real format now because it is yeah. the actual season. Um, so I'm already going to rename the first segment. I was going to do weekend winners, but I feel like winners of the week is better. Cause some of these guys, they won the week and That's they weren't fun. so hot this weekend. So yeah, <laughs> so we're gonna do, particularly we're gonna do our first guy. Week. Yeah. So let's get to our first guy. So let's talk about okay. Jacoby Walter. So Jacoby Walter, uh six, five guard out of Baylor immediately wins the week comes out. And we had Jacoby really high on our composite board. I think he was five on our composite. Yeah. He's four on my personal. So I'm a big I think Jacoby. I got him three. I got him yeah. three. Yeah. 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 And I thought about it. Like I kind of regretted not having him at three <laughs> after that first game. So he comes out. Baylor plays Auburn. 
first like big time college basketball game of the season. He scores 28 points, six rebounds, Jeez. four for seven from three, 10 for 10 from the free throw line. Awesome game from Jacoby Walter. Two outings since then, he has seven points on nine shots against John Brown, which mm-hmm. is a college that exists somewhere. Uh, and then they played Gardner Webb, 14 points, eight rebounds, two steals, uh, but two turnovers, four for 11 from the field, 0 for four from three, six for nine from the free throw line. So just kind of not what you want to see from a guy that you have uh, ranked top five on your board. Um, but I mean, when the lights were brightest, boy, did Jacoby Walter look like a star. So Stephen, what have you been, uh, what have been your kind of early initial impressions of Jacoby Walter? I just want to start by saying like these, these games, like this accumulation of performances is kind of what you want to see, just preferably not in the order that we got them, right? Like <laughs> mm-hmm. if we would have went with the John Brown game and then uh, shoot, who was it that they just played? Uh, Gardner Webb, Gardner you know, Webb, so yeah. if they played Gardner Webb and then the 28 point game against Auburn was third. Like you're looking <laughs> yeah, at this and you're it like, out. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Like it's a, he's ahead of schedule. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think in a lot of ways he really is. I mean, that first game was just nuts, man. Like he looked like he couldn't miss if he wanted to, you know, mix in some mid range shots. Um, one thing that stood out to me though, and we talked about this a bit before we kicked off, man, is as good as he looked, he seemed a little bit reluctant to attack the basket. And I sent that out in like the no ceilings group chat. And then as soon as I did, he hit an and one shot. He kind of had a similar and one shot attacking the basket. I think that he's capable of doing that. Like, more but the thing that i'm noticing is like baylor has like a four guard rotation that they're running right now classic Baylor, Um, classic baylor and sometimes it feels like our guy is getting phased out sometimes it feels like he's not being super assertive but there's no like bad body language so bill simmons if you're listening to try to get Mm -hmm. your 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 draft study up you know there's no bad body language he looks good out there and he's like a super good teammate, plays very good, strong defense, uh, runs point of attack defense a lot for Baylor, which you love to see. So he's engaged in a lot of areas. I think that they're still just trying to figure out their pecking order a little bit, Maxwell, because you got a guy in Ray J. Dennis who I don't think has seen a floater that he hasn't liked before. Like if that dude is driving, uh, actually a lot of Baylor guards, if if they're driving, they're floating the ball up. They're not really looking to kick back out and to keep the defensive rotations uh, honest in in a lot of regards. Like they are driving and they are looking to finish with Mm -hmm. a floater. And there were a number of times that I was just like, just kick it out kind of selfishly, just kick it out to Jacoby, let my guy cook. But I think if you're looking at a three game sample size, I'm pretty happy right now because there are some other guys that we had ranked uh, in our top 30s and in our top 60s that are looking like they're struggling a little bit. So seeing Jacoby play the game that he that he has, I, I'm still hopeful. I still think that he has a lot to offer, obviously, as the season carries on. How did you feel about him, man? Yeah, I, I mean, I loved him in the first game. Um, and I, I think that, like, even if we take a step back and we say, like, hey, some of these the second and third game are a little underwhelming. I think it's important to remember like the big picture with him is still really good. Like this is a guy who can still really shoot the ball. Um, I mean, you don't love to see like one for his last 10 from three, but 
Uh, I do buy the shot. He's been an excellent shot maker at mid-range and three-point range uh, throughout his career prior to college. Um, yep. Awesome frame. And like you said, like he really defends. Like the defense stuff mm-hmm. I think is as encouraging as anything else. Like he's got this pro body and will really sit down and stay in front of somebody. Um, yeah, I, I think... I think the motor stuff is super encouraging. He does hustle. He does play hard and he's locked in. And I think somewhere else that his motor shows up. That's really important for the kind of role that he's going to play is that he runs his off ball actions hard. Like there are never plays where it's like, ah, Jacoby, like he came off that screen, but he kind of came off that screen knowing he wasn't going to get the pass. So he was just jogging off it. No, like he runs everything with intent to get open. And if nothing else, to just keep the defense on their toes. I think that's a really important skill in his game. Um, I love how pure the shot is, even in the face of a closeout, the fact that he can get to a shot in so many different ways, whether if it is coming off an action or he's moving into it. Um, I do agree with you in terms of the like kind of like rim pressure attacking aggressiveness issue at times. So like around 30% of his shots through three games are coming through him, which is fine. Like it's not That's an solid. awful number for a yeah. guard and like he's finishing okay there. His touch at the rim, his I, if I'm not mistaken, always been kind of like shakier than you would expect, considering he has like a frame that's built for contact. Um, but yeah, that's like the one thing that I, I found myself a little frustrated with is that between his first step, his ability to rip and go, and then like he's got that combination of like the rhythm, the rock, and the explosiveness that it's like you should be getting yeah. to the rim quite a bit more. And it seems like a lot of times you're just content to stop, uh, whether it's at the elbow uh you know 15 foot baseline jay like he, he's a little too content to take those kind of shots um and I, i'd like to see a change there uh some nice moments as a passer the pocket passing things like that he's always had in his game that's all there still i'm not panicked about these two games um I, I think the big performance against auburn shows that he's like a legit guy um it's hard for me to see myself getting too low on him just because again it's important to like zoom out and look big picture. I do yep. think he can shoot. I think he's got a great body. I think he's going to defend. I think he's going to play hard. So uh, hard for me to see him slipping out of the lottery, uh, to be honest with you, even like if this year is like pretty bad and I don't think it will be. Um, but yeah, definitely a little bit confusing. Um, with the rim pressure stuff, do you think part of that, because it's not like they have a spacing issue. You know what I mean? Like they've got shooters. Do you think it's just like a mentality thing or because I guess, I mean, Missy isn't a spacer. Thomas Joshua is not a spacer. Do you think it is just having a bigger on the basket that's causing him to pull up or do you think it's just how he plays? I think that it's just like figuring out who's who in the zoo right now because mm-hmm. Baylor, they they have some some turnover with their roster, right? But I feel like the the kind of carryover from last year, like there's no really like torchbearer from the previous regime right mm-hmm. so there's a lot of like figuring stuff out on the fly for Baylor which typically you know like an LJ Cryer for example um would typically be a guy that you lean on early on in the season and he would be the one orchestrating a little bit and getting things going now for coach for coach Scott you got a transfer in in um in Dennis kind of orchestrating mm-hmm. the offense a little bit and yeah. there's there's I think that they're just trying to figure out the pecking order. It just feels like to me, dude, that Jacoby is being a little bit kind of too polite. Deferential with, and yeah. Yeah. He he's like, I'm on this team with a lot of upperclassmen. I'm on this, I'm in this program that he himself said is gonna get me ready for the NBA. I'm buying into the system. 
it just kind of feels like he is, like I said, he's kind of just too polite. I want him to be a little bit more of a jerk with the ball, not being a bad teammate, yeah. but I want him to be like, I'm like a, one of the best recruits that Baylor has ever had, and I'm well, going to strap you all to my back. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially because like I know we were talking during the first game, and Ray J. Dennis who I, I like, I like Reggie Dennis. He's like a local guy. He's fine. Like I'm, I'm yeah. rooting for him. Like he's from the town over from me. Um, he averaged like 19 and six last year, Toledo. So this is a guy who's like very used to being the man. Um, mm-hmm. He turned it over a lot against Auburn. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed like the game was way too fast for him. Uh and yeah, I, I almost wonder if there needs to be an adjustment. Cause even like Jay Nunn, I felt better about. And Jay Nunn, by the way, like filled out his frame. Like Jay Nunn looks big now, which is awesome. Yeah. He was like a skinny kid two years ago. He's um, finishing on the inside really well. He looked good against yes. Garner Webb. Yeah. Yeah. Which he couldn't do as a freshman. He was a subpar finisher. And like the last couple of games, he's like just played through contact at the rim. I'm really yeah. excited about what he's going to be. But I think Baylor's got to figure some stuff out. I think it's worth being patient about because I, I feel like every year, for the draft, I'll go back and watch games on a player throughout the year. And you watch games at the beginning of the season. You're like, oh, I don't even remember that this guy was on this team. Like there'll be guys mm-hmm. that can play a lot of minutes. Their minutes get cut. Guys pop up. Guys are in those minutes. I'm yeah, I'm a little wait and see. I thought after night one, I was like, like he might really make a run at number one. Now I'm like, all right, well, maybe, maybe you know, maybe we just waited out a little bit. Um, still could. I mean, the still top could. Of the draft yeah, is still, still kind of wide open. Could. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just going to depend on how how this rotation everything shakes out. In that Auburn game, um, just real quick, I know you mentioned Janai Broom is a guy that you're liking quite a bit. Yeah. Um, what did, what he's did in my second round now. Okay. Yeah, he's. I and I've told you this before too, man. That it's he feels like the most obvious NBA draft prospect that nobody wants to be right on. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like everybody sees what he's doing. Like he's extending his range out to three, also, right? So yeah, he's, he's taking threes. The touch is has kind of always looked good around the basket. Now that's extended out. The defense is still there. He runs the floor incredibly well. And he's heck, he's like, he's really strong. You know what I mean? So he's like, he's got all the the kind of physical markers, the the uh, field indicators for a, a functioning mm-hmm. big man in the Fast NBA. Well, yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, why not? Like, why aren't we in on this guy? I mean, because what was it like two years ago? He was at Moorhead State and everybody is like, oh my goodness, like this dude is like a can't-miss defender, goes to Auburn, kind of continues the same things and improves on offense, and it's people are like, nah, like forget him, you know? (laughs) It's weird too, because yeah, I thought in the Baylor game, like, and what I'm kind of interested to see is like you mentioned the strength, like that was something that always said, like even at the combine where it's like other like draft prospects is you just kind of bossed guys around. And you'd always take, he took threes at the combine, like both of last year's and made a bunch of them last year in particular. Um. Shot looks good again this year, taking more of them. Um, but I also thought he looked leaner in that Baylor game. Yeah. And like when he was out on an island, it's like, oh, I don't remember feeling as good about Janai Broom in space as I do right now. Um, yep. So, like, if he's going to have that kind of defensive season, right? He's always protected the rim. Um, but a lot of it was just like, oh, guys drive into his chest. And like, he, you were worried about him in open space. Yeah. Yeah. I was worried about him in space. I was just worried about like how much lift you actually have. And it seems like that might not be as much of an issue as I thought. And is he foul baity? Like he, he's playing a lot more intelligent. I just, like I said, I might slide him up, but you know, take it around with my board. Now he's in my second round. Like he's just kind of undeniable. Yeah. I was, I was very encouraged um, by what I saw there. 
let's go to Isaiah Collier. Um, oh boy. It's going to be an interesting discussion. I feel like people are going to be mad at us. So <laughs> they might uh, be. Yeah. So Isaiah Collier is six, five, 210 pound freshman guard at USC. I watched their game against Kansas state and I was like, great game. Great game mm-hmm. by Isaiah Collier. Um, so you mean to tell me you didn't watch the Cal state Bakersfield game? You didn't watch game? <laughs> I, I watched chunks of it. I did not watch okay. the entirety of the Kelsey Bakersfield game. Um, so with the Kansas state game, Initially, I, I think we should mention when we put out our composite board, we got some flack on social media for not having him top seven. Because we had uh, him eight. <laughs> yeah. And I think I yeah. have him seven on my personal board. Um, I have people, him lower. Yeah, you've gotten quite a <laughs> yeah. bit lower. Uh, He's moved up. He's okay. Moved up. Yeah. So he has this game against Kansas State. And like there was definitely a lot to like. So against Kansas State, he has mm-hmm. 18 points. Um, three rebounds, six assists, but also six turnovers. He he did foul out uh, one for three from deep, but just really got where he wanted on the court. Uh, Lockdown Scout says, uh, I feel like Collier isn't actually 6'5", but maybe I'm wrong. I don't think you're wrong. I, I feel like he was listed at 6'3", his entire career, and then all of a sudden he's listed at 6'5", at USC. Feels a little dubious. I, I think you were correct, Lockdown Scout. Uh, with collier he the name of the game is rim pressure like this dude in both of these games and can say they're a smaller guard team so it's it's a little tough to read and cal state bakersfield this cal state bakersfield um really just get to the rim at will uh yeah. he looks enormous out there he's got that kind of running back body style uh, and he's got a ton of confidence and some of the finishes have been very interesting in terms of just like He's arcing it high off the glass. He's put really nice spin on the ball to kiss it off the glass. Sometimes it's just touch. Like there's so many different ways that he can finish effectively at the rim. He's got the power to get where he wants. He's got some skill. He um, knows how to just bump players out of the way. Uh, you can't really put a body on him. He'll just play through you. And he does play ball screens differently too, which I think is a really important skill when we're talking yep. about guards. Because when you are a power-based guy, I think it's easy at lower levels to just use that and then there's questions okay well is this going to translate with collier i think there's enough craft that i do feel like he is going to be able to get to the rim at the next level because of how he sets things up at times though he is too much of a bulldozer like there are times where he definitely gets stuck and then he picks up his dribble or he turns it over um i do not like his passing on the go uh Mm. there were obviously the turnovers but there were also just like a lot of tipped balls that ended up getting recovered by a teammate and things like that um he can wire it to guys and there are moments where he is capable as a passer, but it's the decision-making that I think really needs to kind of be rounded out with him. Um, and he's also a very inassertive offensive player off the ball. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. If he doesn't have yeah. the ball, it's not, it's not the Jacoby Walter stuff that we're talking about, right? Like he's not a guy who's like, I'm going to cut, <laughs> I'm going to fly off a screen. Like he, he can be a little, uh, let the game happen around him kind of the defense is bad uh i think the defense is, you think it's bad i think, you it's, think bad. it's bad okay uh, i do i i don't think he tries so i don't know that he is a bad defender so much as he has played bad defense is how i should phrase it um okay he got beat at the point of attack a lot and it feels like with some guys like um I'm trying to think of a good example like a guy um are you looking like for even, a good so even a jet attack? howard i want to use a, a bad okay. defender for this example 
Jet Howard last year, early in the year, like had a decent amount of blocks. And because he's kind of slow footed, like guys would beat him at the point of attack and then he'd get blocks from behind. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, Jed Howard's got kind of a nice block rate. And then you watch the film and it's like, well, I don't really love the block rate because the blocks are coming because he's getting beaten. But at least he's trying to recover. With yeah. Isaiah Collier, I don't feel like we're getting that second effort. I feel like a lot of it is I'm not trying to slide my feet. A guy got around me and that's that. The off ball stuff is kind of what it is. It's not uncommonly bad. I don't think off the ball. Um, I'll say that nothing defensively like like was starkly like was like atrocious. Like I don't have like much good to say defensively. Yeah, but it's kind of like net neutral in my opinion. Okay, and it's tough because it's also like this is a star player on a college basketball team playing playing like low effort defense, which it's like yeah, that's that's pretty normal. Um, but. Yeah, I, so I where I'm at with Collier is I do think he can shoot. I do think he has a lot of ways to get to the rim. I think he's like a plus plus finisher. I think the body's really good for me. But but well, I was really surprised when I saw the social media talk after that first game because a lot of people were talking about him challenging for number one, and I just don't have him in that tier. Uh, and I don't think I can get there until I feel better about the distribution given his size, and until I feel like. I know he can guard because right now I feel like he can't. And even at six, five, I'd like to see, like, I'd like to feel a little better about it. I'm not like, I don't think he's hopeless on that end, but um, yeah, I, I, the, the passing I think was kind of concerning for me, but I, I think he's a legit, like, I think he's a legit NBA starting guard um, ultimately, but where, where are you at with Collier? So obviously I let off with earlier that I, I'm lower on him than a lot of people uh in the world and at no ceilings you know like i am um (laughs) i'm being i've already said it in the preseason so for those who are just now kind of like tuning in i'm being a little bit more cautious with my guards i'm having them kind of prove themselves up to me instead of giving them a lot of the benefit of the doubt right and so far so good on the way that uh the season has started so far um but i will say for call your men like he looks big positionally and when i say big like stocky he looks like he's got nba strength for his position a very quick i think that the motor we're going to talk about the motor because that was a point of conversation that we've had with him on defense i'm not concerned about the motor Mm -hmm. i actually think that he's actually been guilty of over committing a little bit on defense in in a lot of ways um i think that he finished with contact and transition well he kind of lives at home that's like his diet the way that you Mm -hmm. were talking about him and the way i remember watching him maxwell he reminds me of like college basketball's version of russell westbrook where he's like okay yeah really wow he's gonna really wow you on a lot of plays and then sometimes you're gonna be like dude what the heck are you what the heck are you doing right now and you're just gonna have to kind of like take the good and the bad here um i thought that he showed some nice vision on the court Mm -hmm. you know he had some nice dump off passes and pick and roll um missed uh most of his long shots though i think that the jumper needs to be cleaned up he dips it pretty frequently um back to the passes you know he had some slick feeds on cuts i think that he hits Mm -hmm. moving targets well but like you said when he's moving the Mm -hmm. accuracy um dies down a little bit he had a couple like really bad shots like one three that he missed was like wildly like grossly off um but again, defense was fine. I thought that he, I think that he plays passing lanes well. Um, even though that the shot needs work in the second game, there was one that he caught in transition and it's like zero hesitation went up mm-hmm. and netted it. 
obviously the thing about him that people are going to love is like getting to the basket and just trying stuff out, like seeing what he can get away with. I think that he is really good at like adjusting, contorting and things like that. I don't feel like his motor on offense though, Maxwell is always hot. And that is like a weird thing to say about a guard, but I don't feel like he's always like asserting himself onto the game. And then here's the thing in in the K-State game and against Bakerfield, I think they defended him like a knockdown shooter. I know that you like his shot. I'm a little yeah. bit more re- reserved on the on him mm-hmm. being like a good shooter. And I think in both of his games, like he's probably averaged less than three attempts from deep a game for a guard. That's pretty low. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that this is something that teams are going to kind of like adjust to as the season goes on? Because the his, his shot, I don't think, is um, elite enough to be smothered. I think sometimes like college defenses will – just say guard your man like at all times because I respect the game of basketball and we we man up against everybody and you know the game is beautiful and all this other stuff. Yeah, I think it it takes teams like a weirdly long time to adjust to that sort of thing. Like even a Men Thompson, we talked about that last year with overtime lead. Like guys are playing him tight. We're like, what? Yeah. Why? What are you doing? <laughs> so because I think the drive is so nasty. Like you don't want to give them room to like attack you. I, I don't guess. know. Yes. Yeah. I, I think that's a good point, though. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see if if that's going to be an issue because if yeah, if the shot isn't falling and then guys sag, I do think he'll be good enough at the college level that like the yeah. power is just going to be too much. I do think it would create a pretty complicated question about what the NBA evaluation then looks like. Yeah, uh, yeah there's definitely like a floor on the three-point shooting where it's like, well, if it's below that, then then maybe we don't talk maybe he falls out of the lottery for me, um, especially if the volume isn't going to be high. Um, but yeah, he's going to be a guy that I mentioned to monitor because I, I love what he's doing at the rim. I love just the pressure. I think the passing on the ghost stuff is stuff that he can figure out because like you mentioned, like I think it's there from a standstill and he is so good at getting downhill that he is going to keep getting those reps. Um, so I think, I think that's good for him. I think he's got a real shot. Uh, but let's move on to our next topic and our next player we have. Uh, oh, and real quick, were there any other guys um, that stood out to you at USC? Yeah, with USC, um, I, I know that there's a lot of us that kind of like belong in this camp, Maxwell, that we love some 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 Kobe Johnson, and he looked really good. In in several of the, you know, obviously they've had two games, but for the majority of their play, I thought that he looked really good, man. Um, really looking forward to watching Bronny play eventually whenever he gets out there. But I think right now, man, it's um, you 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 kind of have your two headed monster, so to speak, here with Isaiah Collier and Kobe Johnson. There are some other guys like Boogie looks all right, but he, there's also nights where he still looks like the same kind of Boogie and. I don't know. I, USC is going to be a fun watch. They they're pretty deep. They're pretty talented. What about you? Did uh did you like what you saw from Kobe? Uh, my daughter's having a meltdown, so I'm going to have you actually okay. lead off on our next player. I'm sorry about that. Okay, no, it's all good. And uh, shout out to all the moms out there holding it down because you are the real MVPs. To quote Kevin Durant. So uh, we'll move on here from USC and uh, our man Isaiah Collier. And for everybody listening, you know. I just want to, before we move on, after just kind of dropping a hammer on Isaiah Collier, we're still fans of him. Uh, I just think, I'll speak for myself, 
I have a lot of concerns, like I said, with a lot of the guards in this class, and I want them to kind of prove their way up a little bit. But the next guy that we're going to be talking about is a familiar name that you've heard here on the No Ceilings podcast at large, but also here um, with Maxwell and I with uh, Tucker DeVries out of Drake mm-hmm. uh, versus uh, world beater Lipscomb Maxwell. <laughs> he dropped dropped 36 points, mm-hmm. five rebounds, six assists, one block, one foul, two turnovers. He was only three of eight from deep, something that I mm-hmm. uh, thought that he was going to hit all eight of them. And then he was nine of 12 from the free throw line. So a lot of the carryover from uh, – from last year with the shooting touch. Maxwell, I'll turn it over to you here in yeah. a second, but just I want to point out some – the movement shooting still looks incredible, uh, so particularly good. in the mm-hmm. mid-range. I love his mid-post work as well, like whenever he catches the ball against a guy that's like obviously smaller than him. Um, the ball movement looks good. And here's where I'll turn over to you, Maxwell, because mm-hmm. Metcalf and I were having a conversation, and you came in and you were kind of like surprised it sound like. Yeah. Maybe I'm just remembering him wrong. I know that this is your sweet prince to quote Maxwell. <laughs> yeah. He looks slower to me this year, mm-hmm. man. Like, I and I don't know why. I, I'm worried about him getting bullied against some of the forwards that he's eventually going to mm-hmm. face. I'm worried about him getting blown by from some of the guards that he's going to face. And his separation skills kind of scare me. Like, he's such a good shooter that I don't know if it's going to matter uh, for the role that he's going to have in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I just have concerns a, a little bit more about the athleticism than I thought I was going to this year. Yeah. So I, I think we may have been coming at that conversation from two different sides of the spectrum. So I, yeah. I think he looks a lot quicker on offense okay. after that conversation. I was like, I need to go back and like watch the defensive possessions from that game. He was really bad. He was really bad. You see, okay. So you see it. So I, yeah. So I, I think we may be actually on a similar train with that. Uh, I thought, yeah, I thought defensively his effort was just really poor because I think he can play good defense. Um, not good. I I think he can play solid defense. Um, like defense that will be solid for an NBA prospect, uh, when he's engaged, especially within a team concept. His defensive effort against Lipscomb was awful, like zero effort, like worse as bad as the stuff we talked about with, with Collier, if not worse. Um, I think on the other end of the floor, I was very encouraged with how he moved. I thought offensively, like um, the shot again, really great. Like so good off movement. So good. Not even having to set his feet, being able to turn his shoulders, like while he's going up into his motion, coming off of handoffs and screens. Um, I thought he really excelled because he, he got to the room at John. Like he was in like the 96th percentile on pick and roll possessions last year. Um, yeah. He's really good at playing low with the ball to get to the rim, his rip and go move and his pump fake where he gets the ball. And he's like, he's so good at this because he takes a lot of really deep threes. He'll get the ball like three or four feet behind the three point line and just really slowly raise the ball up. Like, am I going to shoot this one? And like mm. defenders sell out on it every single time. And then he gets low and blows by him. Um, and he's not a blowback guy. He shouldn't be able to do that. Uh, but that's, that's been working for him quite a bit. Um, speed changes. I thought looked good with the ball. And I also thought that him transitioning back to more of an on ball role was really exciting. Cause last year they had Roman Penn, who I believe was like 25 years old, uh, running the point a lot. <laughs> and now Tucker, like to me on the offensive side of the ball, it was like, Oh, this is the Tucker DeVries I fell in love with after his freshman season. Where, like he didn't have a bad year last year, but like there were just games. Where I was like, ah, I, I'm, I'm a little less certain about this evaluation than I was coming into the year. 
six assists to two turnovers, really showing off those passing chops, making those sharp connective reads, but also just like finding guys off the dribble. Um, had some near assists too that didn't go, where it's like, all right, great read, Tucker. Like that's kind of stuff we want to see. Where um, and I know he's not gonna be on the ball all the time in the NBA, but yeah. I think just kind of getting to reestablish that he can be a playmaker for others is a really important thing for him, given some of those uh, athletic limitations. I do think you're onto something with the strength against forwards. That was the one, like there was one play where a bigger guy got him on the interior, like dead center of the paint and just kind of easily lofted a shot over him. Yeah. I don't know that he's that long um, and his like vertical pop from like a standstill in that kind of position isn't great. Um, so I do worry about that. And I, and like, he's got to take pride in his defense. Like, I know you're the star player, but I think especially for these small school guys, it's really important to at least like show that you care on that side of the floor. And I know that's a double standard. I know it's not fair, um, but that's how evaluators look at it. If they see that you're playing at a small school and your defense and you know, your steal rates and block rates are low. I, I think a lot of teams are going to be put off by that. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So that's, that's kind of where I was at. Are are you like ultra concerned about the athleticism, or do you think it might just be effort? I I, I think that it might be athleticism, dude, and that kills me because like yeah. I'm a I came into I came into the year like really wanting him to kind of be like an upper second round pick, which mm-hmm. very well still might because I think his yeah. his shooting his shooting too. is that good and his mm-hmm. passing is that good. I think that the connective stuff on offense is there. I don't know if it has something to do maybe with Drake's, you know, I, I know that they're like a D1 school or whatever, but like mm-hmm. maybe he gets better training and nutrition and all yeah. that stuff with like yeah. a higher program and maybe that helps them out. Um, that's like the glass half full of approach here. There's yeah. also the other side of this glass where maybe it is what it is, man. Like mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's not weak. You know what I mean? So he has a little bit of strength to him. I think that the he he carries himself well um, physically. I just I don't know if there's just an extra gear or like this thing waiting athletically to be unearthed with him. And that's that's concerning. But again, like we see all kinds of dudes in the NBA, as long as you can do stuff other than shoot, which he can like he can rebound, he can pass. He's got good court vision. He's he has a little bit of stuff with the ball in his hand too, so I think that he's fine offensively. It's just defensively, I have more concerns this year than I thought I was going to, especially against mm-hmm. a team like Lipscomb. You know, yeah. Uh, who's your next favorite Drake prospect? Probably like Darnell. I'm just kidding. None of those guys are. Amazing. Yeah, I was gonna say with <laughs> Penn. I, I was like gonna Darnell say with Brody. yeah. I was gonna say with Penn uh, stepping away this year to see like his kid graduate high school because he's uh, so old. <laughs> Yeah, I see. Yeah. He, I like he's not an NBA guy at all, but I love Connor Enright on that team, the little guard with like the okay, yeah, yeah. He's, he's from around mm-hmm. here. He's really good, and I like Darnell Brody, their big guy, because he is like when I saw them in person, he just seems like the guy who would be the most fun to play with of like almost anybody yeah. I've seen in person. Like he he was hysterical. Like he just seemed like such a great teammate. Um, let's go to somebody who I think answered a lot of athletic concerns, Trey Alexander. Yes. Creighton. Um, he's had some really nice games. Uh, he, it's Florida A&M 20 points, uh, we five, six, six boards, a steal. Uh, had some turnovers though, but seven for eight from the field, two for three from deep. It's North Dakota state over three from deep, 
with 21 points, four assists, seven boards, five steals, a block, yep. perfect four for four from the free throw line. Uh, Trey looks great. Uh, it's important to remember this is a guy who is six foot four with a six eleven wingspan at the NBA Combine. So mm-hmm. we're talking like excellent size for a modern mm-hmm. guard in today's NBA. Like six eleven is like a wingspan you want for a wing, and he's got it as a guard. Um, he's being the lead guard that I think a lot of us thought he could be uh, the last couple of years. Like he's always had the passing chops to be a point guard because of how good he is at manipulating ball screens and how many many spots he's comfortable shooting from on the floor his like setups are really hard to read like you don't really know once okay now he's past the screen is he stepping back is he going east west is he going downhill like you you don't know where trey's gonna go at any point wherever he goes he's gonna be effective and he's got his eyes up the whole time uh he just looks great in this lead guard role um what has really popped to me is how much better he's moving uh last year trey alexander had two dunks last season through two games this year he's got two dunks and both of them were in the half court both of them were coming off of curls both of them were off of one foot from outside the restricted area so he is getting up in a functional way in a half court setting and jamming the ball um but i thought on defense too like he's always he his block rate was good last year and was a lot of like staying connected off a screen blocking the guy from behind using his length like that had one of those in the north dakota state game but the steals, like his anticipation has always been good because he reads the floor so well, yep. but now he's just able to get places a lot quicker and make guys pay anytime they throw a lazy ball. Um, I'm having a hard time seeing him outside my top 20 uh, after this start. I think I had him like just outside of that to start the year. Yeah. What else do you want in a modern <laughs> guard? If he's answering the athletic questions, like, I, I don't know, <laughs> but I, I've been really blown away by Trey to start the year. Where, where are you at with him? Yeah, man, it was just awesome to see him get downhill so much, you know, to to start the year. I think that that was something that he just kind of had had to work through last year at Creighton. And just to see him rise up against Florida A&M, like on, on the pick and roll possession where he just, you know, expertly maneuvered around the defense, got into the lane off the dribble, like you said, off one foot outside the restricted area and just yamming over the top of the defense was just incredible, man. Like, and the five steals is one thing. Like, that's a numerical value that you can look at. <laughs> I mean, shout out to Ryan, uh, Ryan Dunn, too, for, yeah. um, for Virginia. Six kind of, or seven. Six or seven, yeah, against Florida. But, again, what's he like, six, eight, six, nine? Here goes, here comes yeah, Trey. Yeah, he's huge. He's huge. Mm-hmm. Not, so, again, like, not to get hung up on the steals, but watching he, like, his defensive – footwork and vision should be like what anybody is training their guard on their team to look like because mm-hmm. he can switch off of a pick and roll so easily and then just force some really tough shots that have no chance of going in because he does have that 611 wingspan he had a beautiful no look pass to shireman in the corner uh, i think it was in the a&m game if i'm not mistaken that Sharman just like butchered, which is like completely out of character. <laughs> Not his thing at all. Yeah. Yeah. Like something that you never have to worry about, but it's just crazy to think that like Alexander might be one of my favorite, like, but his teammates missed a bunch of shots guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, sh- uh, showed way more verticality. I don't know if that's like a, a competition thing, like playing uh, like maybe the competition uh, against Florida A&M 
and against uh, North Dakota State. I don't know if we need to wait and see the interconference play to, to see if that carries over. Um, I just love the defense overall, man. I think that he needs to show more attacking throughout the year um, mm-hmm. to be higher than an early 20s player to me. That's where I have him. I think I got him at like 21, 22, so not too far away from the range that you're talking about, Maxwell. And I don't I don't think that that numerical value is going to be as important as like the grouping of prospects in a draft like this year. But I like Trey a lot. I think that I just want to see him attack more consistently. Let's see that carry out over the year. And if it does, man, we're talking about a guy who could – I'm not shutting a, a lottery grade, you know, mm-hmm. for, for this guy. Yeah. Like, no way, because he shoots way too pretty and he defends way too easy. You know, yeah. he's just like – he's he's a good player. He defends really well, very good at navigating screens on and off the ball. Knockdown catch-and-shoot guy. It was like 44 42% on catch-and-shoot threes last year. Um, yep. And just has this level of on-ball juice. And now it's the athleticism's there. And then the measurements, it's like, that's that's an NBA guard in, in every single sense. And if that's the point, I know wings are everything and whatever. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I'm going to have a hard time uh, passing on a guy like that, especially when I've kind of... Tell that to Marcus Sasser, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with Feature Focus, where we're going to talk about the All guys right. that we uh, wrote our articles about for this coming week. So stay tuned. We will be back on the other side of the break. All right. So do you want to leave this one off? Do you want to do your guy first? Let's do let's do yours. Let's do yours because he'll be out. He'll All be right. out. That's true. Yeah, he'll be out by the time you're listening to this. So uh, I wrote about Ariel Hakorty this week on Melbourne United, seven foot one center. Um, To kind of spoil sort of what uh, inspired the article a little bit, I've been talking a lot lately about this like big data project I've been working on for like last year or so. Um, And one thing that I discovered in doing my data is just like trying to find trends, like what, what statistical things indicate this guy is going to be an NBA player uh, at the next level based on their, their pre-draft college production. Um, and one thing was like really overwhelming with big men um, that really stood out as far as like, oh, wow, like big men like almost always are really good at these two things when they stick at the next level. Uh, and it was a lot more simple than I expected it to be. And it was that they are very good. It's scoring around the basket in the half court. Okay. And they are very good at stopping other guys from scoring around the basket in the half court. And that's year and a half, like, you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you know yeah. I love you, brother. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So <laughs> I think a lot of people hear that and they're like, oh, well, there are exceptions. And like there, there's always exceptions, right? Like guys that are more like four or five perimeter oriented, like sometimes their numbers are a little bit different, but by and large, like relative to guys that don't pan out or relative to college peers that don't really get in the draft discussion. Like that's kind of it. Um, Huck Porty has been tremendous on both of those fronts. So Huck Porty um, is the defensive anchor for Melbourne United. And as of now, uh, they have the best defense in the league. They are mm-hmm. eight and two in the games that he has played. And he also uh, has the best defensive rating in the NBL. Uh, this is also coming off an Achilles tear. Um, 
so all in all, like there is a lot to be excited about with him. Uh, this year, he is 72.2% at the rim in the half court. And he is, uh, opponents are shooting 27.7% at the rim against Jeez. him. Uh, so just very effective offensively. Um, one thing I really like about him is how well he screens. Like so much of his offense is just dunks, uh, you know, which isn't, you know, I, I don't say not ideal because like that's going to be his role. His role is going to be a play finisher. Uh, but like over half of his field goals have been dunks uh, this year. And he gets so many of them because A, he cleans up on the offensive glass. He's a stellar offensive rebounder. Um, but he is an excellent screener. He sets hard yep. screens. Make sure to find the guy. Make sure to set the angle, uh, the screen at an angle that is advantageous to his ball handler. And then he rolls really hard to the basket. But he's just so good at finding and making contact and creating, helping create those advantages for his teammates. Seven feet tall and 250 pounds. Um, it just makes life so much easier for everybody else on the court that even if he's not this offensive hub, um, and I, I think he's actually quite the opposite. I, I, I have real concerns about how often he turns the ball over, how sloppy his handle can get, how sped up he can get, how often he'll commit an offensive foul uh, with the ball. Those are real concerns. And I think that's where you get to the value equation of, okay, well, Sarah Hill, 40, one of these guys who is, is a long-term NBA center, but maybe a guy that you can get on the minimum and maybe you don't need to prioritize him in the draft. Or is he a guy that, hey, he's so good at the big picture stuff, maybe we shake that stuff out. We let it develop and we just take him in the second round and we're happy with it. Um, on defense, I, I mean, I, I love the guy. He's really strong, uh, gets up really well from a standstill. Measurements are great. Seven, three and a half standing reach. Mobile enough that if he does switch, he's he's totally fine. Uh, really good at showing, recovering, hedging. Um, and then in the drop, he's great. Uh, even against other big men, other guys are, are one for six against him on post-ups. Knows how to communicate. Just knows what he's yep. doing on that side of the floor. Just a total pro. Um, so I really like Ariel Hogporty. What have been your thoughts on him so far? And do you worry about the simplicity? Because I, I, to a degree, I kind of love the simplicity that he's so good at these two things, the, the play finishing and the rim protection. But to you, is it just too concerning that he's struggling in these other areas? Well, Maxwell, I think that the simplicity has caused the draft community to miss out on a lot of really good basketball players lately, mm -hmm. most notably the big man, right? We're always chasing this idea of you got to be able to shoot. Uh, you do need to have some sort of uh, passing uh, ability to your game. You at least need to be able to be trusted to move the ball along because the NBA will run offense through the big in, in, in certain sets, right? So you got to be able to do a little bit of DHO. You got to be able to be on the, the high post, the, the elbow or whatever, and, and have the offense run through you. But by and large, like you said, it's really simple, but – you get sometimes you got to kiss, you got to keep it simple, stupid, right? Mm -hmm. So, these bigs like you know, Walker Kessler, like what we're seeing with Mark Williams right now, what has made Derek Lively so playable as a rookie is because they can put the ball on the rim near the rim and they can keep the ball out of the rim near the rim as well, right? So, I look, Hark Purdy is a very large human being, like he looks scary to me, like when he's running on the floor. I he's one of these dudes where I just watch him, like, I would not want to stand in front of you, sir. You know, mm -hmm. his uh, his movement is looking great. And that's something that I think I look, we've monitored Hook Party for years. It feels oh, like, oh, you know, I was so done with him heading into this season, too, which like 
sounds rude like you never is evaluated be like i'm shut the door in this guy but for me he was a big like oh come on like prove it like i'm i'm tired of waiting like kind of thing and he's he's done that and sometimes the longer it takes the harder you know the harder it is to to fight your way up right um Mm -hmm. but he moves so much better now than it feels like that he used to um he has a keen understanding of committing and slipping screens for dives, which I think is like as much as you're kind of like focusing on how hard of a screen he can set, which is vital. There's a few like really pretty slips away from the screen and he just like hard dives to the rim and he, you know, he, he looks just really good. Um, I know that the connective stuff isn't highlighted frequently, but I do trust him to make the simple reads. Here's my thing with him, right? I don't know how much second jump stuff he has to his game. And I don't know if that matters a whole lot. Like if he's mm-hmm. going to be one of these intuitive, um, always has his back to somebody when the ball is up in the air and just carves out a good rebounding lane and he can just kind of keep at it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much the second jump stuff is going to matter, but I do yeah. worry about the athleticism a little bit in that regard. Here's my question though. Do you think that the defense that he plays in the NBL in the NBL translate? Because it feels like the bigs get to do a little bit more in the NBL than what they will be able than what he'll be able to do in the NBA. That's like kind of my big that is question. A fair question. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I I do worry. I worry about the fouling, just like in general, not like even just on defense, because on offense, like it's one of those things where he has a lot of turnovers and you watch the turnovers and it's like, why is he yeah. turning over so much? And like half of them are just him like elbowing the guy in the face on offense, but or setting I feel like they're allowed to do like um, the, the rebound in one arm and arm bar with the other hand yeah, a little yeah, bit. They're you know? a lot more physical there. Um, yeah. So yeah, I do worry about that to an extent. I'm not totally hung up about it. Like I'm not vastly concerned. I think, I think the second jump thing is poignant. I think one thing that really helps him that I talked about in the column is that his ball tracking is really good too. Yep. Like his hands are unbelievably fast. Like he's very good, whether it's just like poking a ball loose or like just matching the speed at which somebody is going up with the ball um, with his hands that I think he's going to be able to make plays even if he's like on the ground sometimes or if he's a little slow to get up. I think just because his hands are going to compensate to a degree. Um, so I think that's something that he has going for him. But yeah, I think he's like fluid and agile, but to your point, yeah, he's not like a bounce, bounce right yeah. back up kind of guy. Um, the way that the, that the guy you wrote about is, uh, do you want to, do you want to get into your guy? Yeah. So, um, it, it's pretty easy for me to want to talk about this guy because I'm a Razorback, uh, by heart and, uh, I'm writing about Trayvon Brazil, man. And big thing that I'm kind of focusing on is like, Everyone was kind of curious, myself included, because he got off to a blazing hot start last year with the Razorbacks on this team that was mainly kind of pieced around these highly regarded five-star prospects. And they had a couple of transfer portal guys that came in and I think stood a little bit, stole a little bit more attention than what a lot of people initially thought. And Trevon Brazil was one of them. And in nine games, dude, he was just, he was everywhere, you know, dunking everything, just like consummate lob threat, uh, really shot the leather off of the ball and is a heck of a defender. I mean, he showed that in his brief play at Missouri before he transferred over to Arkansas. And then he right knee, he's making a cut to the rim, um, buckles his knee, ACL, you're done. And Maxwell, I don't know how you felt, but for a guy who his game felt it was heavily predicated on athleticism and I'm seeing you kind of suffer this knee injury. Typically I'm a guy that believes you like you're not fully healthy from an ACL or a lower body injury like that for two seasons. Right. So 
I was kind of curious, like, are we going to see him be more perimeter oriented? Is it going to be like a lot of shooting? You know, is he going to, is, did he use the time off to like grow as a passer or what, what, like what's going on with him? And then he takes the court like very first game and is just like the LA Clippers with Blake Griffin. Like he's just dunking everything. He showed a little bit with the ball in his hand. Like I don't remember him taking dudes off of the bounce for dunks, but he has already done that for Arkansas this year. Uh, the shooting looks phenomenal. I can tell that you you can just watch and be like, oh, yeah, like he was in the gym shooting because he couldn't practice. Like he was just up there getting shots up. Um, I do kind of wonder a little bit about the athleticism, and I'm writing the, and I write about this in the piece. I think where you do see him that he is working his way back from an ACL injury is on the defensive end. And it's not that he can't get up. Like the verticality is still there. I think the lateral stuff is not as where it was pre-injury. And but the thing with that though, Maxwell, is is that whenever he is like two years removed from this injury, I think you're getting that back. And I think that you, you might be able to see that progressively improve throughout the year. Like there's no way to tell this scientifically two games into the year, right? But I just from watching a lot of basketball, Maxwell, and knowing that the way that some guys have come back from these ACL injuries, you're talking like two years removed. Like AJ Griffin is another one of these guys that came off of like yeah. a whole bunch of lower body injuries, right? And look at him now for Atlanta, you know. So I think with Trevon Brazil, you're getting to see him still have a lot of verticality to his game. You're seeing an improved shooter. And you know that like this guy is a capable weak side rim protector. So I'm very high on him. I think in regards to like where a lot of the preseason buzz is around him, I look at him like a middle of the first round guy. Yeah. I just think that there's a lot of positivity to take away because he's rebounding at a rate that's higher than what he's ever done as well. He's got more rebounds per game already at the beginning of this year than he did last year, even though he's playing fewer minutes. Right. So, there's a lot of positive things to take away from what we're seeing in the early going. And I think that with where the athleticism stands now and feeling like he is going to be able to come back off of that two years removed from this injury eventually, I just think that you're getting like a heck of a player who is. And and what are we seeing translating from the rookies now on Maxwell is like these athletic guys, they're hitting like really early. And yeah. I think it could be the next in line. He's interesting. Yeah. So I, cause I actually have a question about that uh, in a second, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I was stunned to uh, when like some of that initial footage came out of him and like charity games and things like that before the season of just how well he was moving, especially vertically, like the pop off of two feet is, yeah. it's excellent. Like it is, it is all the way back. Um, I actually thought his body looked pretty good too. Like I was surprised. Yep. Like it looked like he was a little more filled out than he was a year ago. Like he's got that great frame, right? Like he's got those long arms. He's got those wide shoulders. Like that stuff is all there. Um, but I did think he looked a little more put together than I expected him to be as well. I, I think that's a, another thing where it's just like he clearly made really good use of his time this off season. And like you said, the shot, it looks pure. It looks mm -hmm. really good. Like I put in our notes, it, it looks better than ever. And he's just getting yeah. that thing off so quick. Um, so there's there's a lot to like. Again, I think it's really important with prospects to go big picture. Like what are what are the big things we're looking at? We're looking at a guy who's six foot nine, who has excellent vertical explosiveness, whether it's to send home a dunk, whether it is coming off of a cut, um, or even in a straight line after a pump fake, 
Um, because I don't think his handle is good, but I think it's functional. Like I think if, if somebody closes out hard on him and I think people are going to have to, he's going to be able to get to the rim and finish over people. And he doesn't have to be particularly close to the basket to get up to finish nope. either. So it might be one less dribble than a lot of guys need to take uh, in order for him to do that. Uh, and the shot looks excellent. So shooting and size and defense are always going to be important. He's going to bring that real versatility on the defensive side of the ball. I still just worry about the passing and the processing yeah. and the kind of the decision-making. Um, I thought yet again, he had some really frustrating turnovers. Um, there was one where it was like an inbound pass and it was in the second game that they played. Uh, yep. It was against also Gardner Webb, uh, the team of the yep. week, Gardner Webb. Uh, and then he had another one where he kind of got stuck and threw a bad jump pass that got picked off. And like both of those were displays where it was like, Oh man, like, yeah, a little head not, scratching. Yeah, not mistakes that you see NBA players make that I'm like, okay, well, I, I was kind of hoping we would see that kind of advancement from him just from like film study and watching and maybe picking some things up. But again, it's a different thing to be kind of thrown back into the fire of actually playing a game at game speed versus watching things on tape. Um, what do I we think... think like the success rate of this archetype is? <laughs> Because that's like my concern is like yeah. I was a huge Jabari Smith guy coming out. And Jabari Smith is like having a really nice season. Uh, he's looking really good. Yeah, yeah, he's looking really good. But like Taylor Hendricks was another guy that like I liked a lot of people love. And people are like, whoa, he's like not even getting minutes. And yeah. I, I don't know. Like I, I think it's one of those things where it's like on paper, all these things are valuable. But I think I still haven't quite figured out like how far off or like how much does the connective stuff matter? with that role? I, th I think that's a fair question. Like when I saw, uh, you know, as I'm preparing for, for the show and I saw in your notes that you added that, uh, I think that he could be, I think that he would be really successful in a play. And this is going to sound like really uh, reductive, but like mm -hmm. in a place like Dallas, right? Yeah. Um, yeah because yeah, yeah. The, the type of player that I see him being reminds me a lot of like the, the Corey Brewer, uh, PJ Tucker type dudes that existed, mm -hmm. Gerald Green type dudes that existed on these James Harden led Houston Rockets team because you're not asking him to do a whole heck of a lot with the ball in his hand. Although I do think the handle, like I said, has gotten better. He looks more comfortable putting it on the ground in the early going this year than he did last year. The passing is concerning. I, I give you that, but I still think that he's a good player, man. Like if you got a four who can give you minutes at the five who you trust and and help defense in particular um, that he's going to kind of cover the uh, the uh, defensive sins of a lot of his teammates, and he is going to be a knockdown shooter and a vertical lob threat. Like there's just a lot of really good. Like if you could be versatile offensively and defensively, even with the little bit of problems with the connective stuff, I still think at his position at the four you still can bring value to a team. Like you mentioned some of the guys like a Taylor Hendricks and a Jabari Smith. I don't think that he's going to be like a top 10 pick. I, I don't, I would never say that. Right. But I do think like middle, late first round value, what he can give a team. I, I think that he could yeah. still find a way into an NBA rotation. Yeah. I I'm, I'm kind of with you. I just think for me, it's ultimately just like, we know how valuable these things are and how hard teams chase them. Um, yeah. That, yeah, even if like he's not successful, it's like, well, I'd almost stomach missing on him better than I would hitting on somebody that might be kind of boring. Like, you know what I mean? And not, not that yeah. there's not a place for, for boring players, but if I'm, 
if I'm taking a cut in that range, yeah, like that that mid lottery range where it's like maybe my team is close to the playoffs or maybe I'm a good team that had a down year, like when Derek where Dallas drafted Derek Lively. And it's like I'm just yeah. looking for somebody to finish plays. Jerron Brazil is going to be hard to pass for a team like that, especially now that he's like back playing for a really good college team again. And it's going to have like the experiences of just being on competitive teams uh, for the last couple of years. Yeah, for sure, man. All right. So um, why don't we go ahead and hit this uh, next break and then we'll get into, I think going to be our favorite part of the show, Maxwell, the, yeah. the uh, sick session, right? It's going to be the sicko session after the break. So you just had somebody ask for, uh, for some deep cuts and sleep furs in the, uh, in the chat. That's what the sicko section session is going to be. We're going to cover uh, a few you. of you guys that are under the radar this week. Mine are like way more under the radar than I, than they're probably going to be most weeks. So I, I promise it won't be that under the radar every week. A lot of times it's going to be second round guys. It could be, could be guys that are multi-year. We'll see, but we're going to get right into it. So stay with us. All right. So, um, I'm going to lead us off here. The guy that I went with. So I had a theme for mine this week. I was at the Barstool Invitational in Chicago. So I went with guys that I saw live. Just good, good experience. Uh, and, you know, always, always fun to scout in person. Um, so the guy from the first game that stood out to me most um, was Vladislav Golden. So it was Loyola against Florida Atlantic. With Florida Atlantic, um, <laughs> Great comment from Ricky Dancer. Guys from the aren't deep enough, I guess. We got more Mac content for you. Stay tuned if you want even more Mac. Oh, yeah. uh, with FAU, Florida Atlantic, everyone was really kind of like all about the guards there. And I was never like really that into John L. Davis. I kind of liked Elisha Martin a little bit. He was injured, still gave some good minutes. John L., I thought, was who I thought he was, uh, to quote the great uh, Dennis Green there. Like he, He's tough. He's really physical. Guards the ball really hard. Can make plays for himself. Doesn't really make passes or, or plays for anybody else. If you want to crown him, then crown I, him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was blown away by Vladislav Golden, who I think is like going to be a real NBA prospect at some point. So oh, okay. center on their final four team and was very mid last season, uh, to be frank. Uh he was an average mover, didn't really do anything special um, against Loyola Chicago. And granted, it's Loyola Chicago. So I think ultimately the big thing here is I want to see what he does when they start to play better teams. Um, five blocks and four steals. He That's was nice. all over the place defensively. He is so good at just reading what the other team is trying to do on, on that end of the floor and getting into position, tracking the ball, and just taking away the easy stuff when teams think they're going to get it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think given that he's seven, one, he doesn't need to be the most mobile guy in the world. Um, his motor runs really hot, which is a necessity. Um, and then on offense, I, I, the other thing too, is he didn't really foul very much. Like I think he had like two or three fouls um, on offense. Again, one of these guys who is very physical will set good screens, likes contact. Uh, but something that really impressed me too, that I think is a necessary skill for a big man is when they would dump it into him if he had a smaller player on him or a mismatch. When they brought that double, he stayed really poised. Like, I think he is a good connective passer uh, and somebody who has a lot of poise to him, but somebody that also has real touch, can make hook shots, uh, can make free throws, maybe somebody that expands his range at some point. Um, 
I think there's like you can squint and see a little bit of Marcin Gortat in there uh, with Golden. It's like kind of who you reminded me of where like it's a lot of just feel knowing how to get stuff for other guys and knowing how to take stuff away from the other team using size and kind of awareness rather than explosiveness or tools. Um, did you see any of golden? And if so, what, where, what are your kind of thoughts on him? Yeah, man. I mean, you shouted him out. You were, um, you were actually texting me while you were at the event, which I'm glad that you went, man. Like, it's pretty cool. And, you know, just, I love, I love live events. You get to do a lot of, uh, networking and stuff like that. So I was really happy that you went, but you know, I, I watched the game cause you, you hyped him mm-hmm. up so much. And I was like, okay, so I, I put it on. There's a lot to like, you know, his, I liked his rotations. You know his his uh his just awareness on the court, even though he's not not the most fleet of foot, like his understanding of how things are happening around him and what he needs to do to best position himself, I thought was very good. Uh, legs always looked like they were moving. He did not like ever stop, which was it's something that you don't see a lot. So it's like weird that it might sound weird that I'm pointing that out, but I think it's it's an important thing to notice whenever you're scouting bigs is. How much are they standing still? He didn't ever look like he was. I set really good screens, had moments where he looked confident, even defending in space, Maxwell, uh, which is a great thing that you want to see from a drop big. Very willing to get physical, obviously. Uh, Seems very smart. I just worry about how more spacing can hurt him. It was a great game against Loyola. Made a great first impression and is now someone that I'm monitoring. So thank you for adding yet another player that I have to look at on box scores now whenever I'm Mm -hmm. surfing and, and evaluating my board. I really appreciate it, but uh, it a great first game for him, man. I, I'm glad that he showed out the way that he did. And I saw that uh, a lot of people on Twitter were, were mentioning too, like very prominent names in the draft space. So I'm, I'm glad that you uh, got to throw that dart out really quickly. Yeah, he was, he was a blast to watch. And I'm excited for you to mention your next guy because he's somebody that has kind of bubbled up a little bit and is now like one of the buzzier players out there. So let's get to your uh, your first sicko pick. Yeah, so my first one is a guy who I have like a conglomerate of uh, names that I just like will monitor from the year before. And I have them in a range where it's like I, I kind of want to be in on everybody that I have in this range. But you, you got to put guys back and, you know, you could see like if you squint hard enough, them working their way into in the draft notoriety. But A.J. Brown out of Ohio, you know, I, I really liked him a lot last year. Uh, had a really good freshman season. Obviously, now this year he's a sophomore. Just looks good. He knows how to score um, and get to the ball. You know, or he knows how to put the ball in the rim at all three levels, right? Uh, very strong. I think he has good size. The shot is very pretty. I like the stroke. Defensively, he looks all right. Uh, I like that he contests shots the way that he does. I think that that's probably like his best defensive skill right now. Um, the ball movement, though, we were talking about Trayvon Brazil. I think with A.J. Brown, that's not where you want to see it. I don't think that he's a bad teammate. I don't think that he's selfish. But mainly he's asked to do a lot of finishing when he does get the ball. Uh, I think in their second game, he looked a lot better moving the ball around. It does show some positive indications as a ball mover. Uh, competes on the glass. Uh, does have a problem with kind of ghosting. Uh, that second game that I kind of mentioned against Cleveland State, he disappeared for uh, bits and pieces of the second half, which was kind of a uh, – Took a little bit of wind out of my sails for him. Mm-hmm. But I just love his energy, man. Like, there were several times where he would pass the ball 
or he would set a screen for somebody or he would do a defensive play and his teammate would be the benef- the benefactor of that transaction and he would be so stoked for his teammate like visibly on the court like jumping up and down celebrating with his teammate something that's under great uh underrated for college guards that are asked to score a lot so uh, what did you think about him though, man? Like I, I like him a lot. I think that he could, I think that he can climb throughout the year. I think he could. I'm, I feel like I've been a little lower on him than a lot of like sickos. Cause I feel like a lot, of, sure. a lot of like a lot of sickos like him and he's very sickoable. If that's yeah. A word. yeah. Yeah. Cause like, he's really productive and like he's productive with a body. Like, I think that's like you mentioned, like almost immediately the frame. And I think that's really important. Like there's a lot of guys that post gaudy stats at the college level that like you just look at once, like you watch how they move and you see the frame and you're like, it's probably not like AJ Brown is not one of those guys. Like you look at AJ built like a pro has the pro legs plays with pro physicality. Like there's, there's a lot to like. Um, I love how for, First off, like he he's he's a shooter. Like he, yeah. um, I don't think his percentage was like crazy last year, if I'm not mistaken. Oh no, it was good. It was good. He was thirty seven percent for three last year. Uh, but he's like one of those guys that like, if he turns the corner on you, like just kind of over. Like he's so yep. strong that like once you're on his hip, it's like the combination of that, the burst. You're not really getting back in front of him or, or making much of a play on the ball at that point. Um, I also think he does a pretty good job of making sure that he runs his man into a screen when he has the ball, um, which just helps him get to shots better. I think he is like a real deal shot maker. Like, I think there's no question that he's going to score a ton of points at the college level Um, where I'm a little bit more wait and see with him is with his like handle and his awareness. Um, I think he dribbles into trouble a lot. um, And I think he's not always anticipating help. So if someone like is coming over and they're digging, he's not really ready for that. A lot of the time, um, with a lot of the guards that I've talked to, one thing that I found to be kind of consistent is like when I'm like, well, what's your process like when you run a pick and roll? And a lot of times they talk about like, I'm looking at the rim, I'm looking at this or whatever. With AJ, it feels like he's just kind of focused on like, what is the man in front of me doing and how can I get a shot against them? Mm. Um, I think he needs to be just like a little bit more spatially aware because right now he just feels more like an undersized like shooting guard bucket getter. Um like even like Ryan Rollins was posting like pretty solid assist numbers in the Mac. Um, yeah. And Rollins was like a guy like some of us had in the first round. <laughs> so oh, it's yeah, like a really lofty like comparison. So like if we're talking about like, is AJ Brown going to get there this year? I think he's probably like another year or so away, but I think the framework given the body and scoring prowess with those physical tools is not a lot of mid-major guards like that have that kind of stuff. I think like that he's going to be package for mid-mid I think that he's going to be a, a transfer candidate, right? Like we see mm-hmm. a lot of these guys like RJ Lewis or uh um shoot who else? There's a lot like what we were talking about with Ray J Dennis. Like yeah. you see a lot of these dudes they'll they'll ball out where they are and then they'll they'll move up. Um Ishmael Leggett who just had a really big game for Pittsburgh the other day, another one of these guys from Rhode Island. So who I like to, it's really easy to like these like mid-major guards and see what they can do and and watch them move on. I did. I think that AJ Brown might be that kind of next guy. You know, I think that when I say that he, he can climb boards, 
I don't think that is realistic that he gets drafted this year. But what I would tell people is like, this is one of these guys that you want to monitor moving forward because he'll probably be playing on one of your favorite teams next year. Yeah. And I think it's a good scout on your behalf too. Cause I also feel like I don't think it's unrealistic that we get to the end of this draft cycle. And then the 2025 mock drafts come out and AJ Brown is on them the same way that yeah. like an AJ Mitchell was like, I don't think that's an unrealistic path for him. Um, especially cause again, like I hate to like keep harping on like body, body, body with guards. You gotta be like, strong. It's, it's so important. And AJ Brown has that. Um, mm-hmm. So kind of another guy that is cut from the same cloth as another guy saw in person, uh, which is Trey Fort at Mississippi State. Um, I wanted to go with the best guys in those games I saw. So I do want to preface, if you're asking me who is Mississippi State's best NBA prospect, look, there's not a lot of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to be frank. The answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. the My answer is probably Cameron Matthews, who's like a six seven, really strong wing, who can like – he's like the – a very a, – a very substandard version of the like, is this Draymond Green like type of prospect where it's like, this guy can really pass. He's six foot seven. He's very strong. He rebounds. His motor doesn't shut off. He can guard multiple positions. Like Cameron Matthews is a crazy underrated college player. The shot is just like, I don't know if it's ever going to get there. So if you were like, mm-hmm. hey, you've got to give a two way to somebody on Mississippi State next year, my answer is Cameron Matthews. But the guy I'm going to talk about today is Trey Fort um, because he really put me on notice and I'm still not convinced that he is not a guy. Uh, so Trey Ford has been all over the place. He starts at UT Martin, uh, goes to a junior college, goes to another junior college, and is now at Mississippi State. He mm-hmm. is six foot four, and my goodness, can he shoot a basketball? Um, yes, he got lightning hot against Arizona State, pulling from deep behind the line. Um, pulling off of self-created looks has like some real east west kind of junk to him to set up his shots um but also like another kind of like dirty work guy he's got some real springs on him like can really jump had a big block in that game against arizona state he's a pretty engaged off ball defender uh really flies when he goes for a rebound i just Everybody on that on that Mississippi State team, I was like them and Florida Atlantic both, like just body language, energy, hyping up their teammates, like off the charts. Uh, and I thought he fit that too. Um, I have no idea what he can do for anybody else on a basketball court, and that's my concern. Was so I dug into the JUCO stats and like he was like forty seven percent from three in JUCO, but like even assist to turnover ratio, it's six foot four. That's got to be there. And now maybe because Mississippi State is such a just like. Who, who scores points for us, like kind of team. Maybe he takes on that role. Maybe that stuff develops throughout the year and he can work himself into a situation where it's like, hey, you know, a guy like Cravion Smith, uh, you know, got a two-way. Trey Fort's older, but he's physically a little bit more filled out. Um, he's going to get buckets. It's like maybe that's something that, you know, maybe he could work his way into something like that. Uh, that's kind of the stretch goal for Trey Fort, I would say would be a two-way. Um but I think he's really interesting because he can shoot and he can really fill it up. I think he's going to defend pretty well because Mississippi state is going to make you defend pretty well. I think he's a plus athlete. If you're six, four though, and you can't create anything for anybody else and you've been around the block, like this isn't the AJ Brown thing where it's like, we broke out at the end of his freshman season. And now he's the guy with Trey Ford. It's like, you had three years of being the guy between, you know, Juco and then, you're kind of the, the leading guy in that first game from Mississippi State. I've got my concerns there. Uh, what did you think of Ford? 
So I just want to, sh- first off, just everybody watching live on the No Ceilings YouTube channel, just thank you so much for spending yeah, your evening you. with us. Um, we we love the interaction. So Joseph, uh, this, first off, I don't know how familiar you are with with uh, the Draft Sicko show, but this is actually like our first like in like in season go around with this format mm-hmm. that we're doing. So what we're going to be doing, Maxwell, uh, and I'll let you speak on this too, is we're going to pick just a couple of guys, right? Maxwell's theme right now is just guys that he saw live at the most recent event. I just, guys that popped out to me during the year, you know, we have a big boards, Maxwell, of like hundreds and hundreds of players. Mm-hmm. And trust me, we have BJ Freeman and Cade Tyson on them. So uh, and I touched on I would, BJ in my column for tomorrow too. So there's going to be some BJ talk. And I wrote about Cade during No Sun and Turn too. Um, so we yep. can give quick hits if people in the chat want to throw guys. I think Cade can really score. I worry about the connective stuff with BJ. I think BJ has a draftable path, to be completely honest. I really do. Yeah. I think the defense and intensity has to be there on a more consistent basis. Uh, there was a violation of team rule suspension. Missed the first game. Front offices are going to want to check into that, see what that was about. Um, but if he keeps his head on straight and performs like that, I think he's got a path. Yeah, and I like Cade too. I just kind of like Ben Shepard reincarnate almost, right? Like very good, <laughs> very good three point shooter, very underrated athlete as well. And BJ, I think he's just such a smooth operator. Got the size that NBA teams are going to want for their position. But Joseph, man, just stay tuned because I promise you that we are the draft sickos. Like we are going to love the sicko session, and we're going to bring up a lot of names throughout the year. So I just. Really appreciate, really appreciate you bringing the names. Just keep bringing that energy on a weekend, week out <laughs> That's basis. That's what we're here right? for. Yeah, but back to um, Trey Fort, a guy who, you know, for even a draft, your most casual draft sicko. I'd never uh, heard of him. <laughs> not a guy I had on my board. I will openly admit that, and that's a feat, right? Because I I have hundreds, Max. Well, I've had hundreds mm-hmm. and hundreds and hundreds of people. Trey Fort wasn't on there, but I do like him. I thought that he was very quick. A very shifty. I like the way that he sticks to his man on defense. I think that defensively he does bring a lot of like point of attack stuff there. Seems like a really willing passer that I watched that he had. He had a few passes that looked like the teammates just did not want to shoot, like very reluctant to get the ball up, or they just miss, or they just flat out miss. Um, but overall, dude, high energy guy. I, I he's listed at six four. How did he look six four? Maxwell, when you saw him live, uh, yeah, yeah, he's probably like six three or six four. I was, I was far, like fairly far away. Um, like we weren't like on the ground where they had our box, but um, yeah, I think he is probably pretty close to it. Like he didn't look like he was six one. I would say at the very least. Yeah, so I mean, he's. I kind of worry a little bit about the size, but the path is very interesting for him. I think that he does have a chance to kind of be one of these most unheralded guards in the SEC type of dude. It feels like you have about one a year. Trey mm-hmm. Fort might be that guy, Maxwell. That's a like really good name. I'm glad that you were able to see him and bring him up because wasn't tracking on him. Now I am. He's on my radar. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to your guy too because I was excited when he brought this name up. This guy's having a fun, fun start to the year. Yeah, and I just want to shout out my guy, Pee Wee the Plug, from uh, Through the Wire podcast, a really good friend of No Ceilings, a big advocate for what we do. He's always plugging our stuff with his NBA show. So shout out to P, Man, if you're listening, we love you. Um, but P is really big on this guy, too. Zeke Maya out of South Dakota State. And I I have to throw him out now, Maxwell, because he's, I think, a, a sicko from last year. I think that, you know, Dirty Dancer in the chat is going to be like, 
we we've all known about Zeke Mayo now, right? Like, who? Why are you bringing him up? Got to bring him in early. But uh, man, he's just he's got that NBA like level scoring to him, man. He has had back to back twenty eight point games on nineteen and sixteen shot attempts, respectively, for his uh, first two outings. So he's pretty efficient um, with being like a high volume scorer. You cannot give him any space, dude. Like he he will shoot at the slightest inkling that he has an opening right um even his misses look like they're going in so like every shot looks like it has a shot of going in uh we'll shoot off the catch too so sometimes maxwell when we get these like big time college scores if they get the rock they want to kind of like stop and survey they want to pound the air out of the rock and get to work he'll shoot off the catch like he's a really good shooter in that regard as well i think he's passing well enough like there's nothing alarming but nothing spectacular either I think that he has already this season had some passing that his teammates weren't really expecting either. So a couple dump offs and things like that, that just kind of got fumbled out of bounds. I think that he's had some good defensive plays too this year. Um, I think against, uh, you know, against Dakota uh, Wesleyan, I know that that's a lower grade school, but he had one where he rotated from the top of the key and contested a shot down at the basket and forced a miss. So I feel like he's athletic enough to where if he's buying in on a play, he can influence a, uh, he can influence the shot for good defensively. So how do you feel about him, man? Because I know that he's not necessarily like, he's not a sleeper sleeper, but yeah. he's probably not on everybody's radar. Exactly. Yeah. He was a guy that, um, that I got to for no stone. And I was like, it felt like I was kind of barely getting to him. Cause it's like, eh, like some of those guys started to kind of creep up for the start of the year. And Zeke was one of those. Um, he is a really good shooter. And I thought the point that you made that was so spot on. And I think such a big part of the appeal with him is that he has that like on off game that we talk about for guards and like so many guards that score as much as him and have the usage as him. Like, they catch the ball and they want to put it on the floor. They're like, no, yeah. like I can run a ball screen. Let me run a ball screen. Where Zeke, like he knows how to play that complimentary role. And I think a lot of that was playing alongside Baylor Shireman that freshman season there where he knew like my job is to catch and shoot. Like, so he recognizes those instances when they pop up on the floor. But when you need a guy to just create your offense, he's really able to do that. Um, really like his, his footwork and his shot making profile. Kind of like we talked about with Trey Alexander, just, the ability to kind of weave through spaces and off of screens and find those holes in the defense to get your looks, whether they're in the mid range or behind the three point line or when to attack. Um, and because like you mentioned that, that, that shooting off the catch, he draws really hard closeouts when he gets it off the catch. Like if yep. he gets the ball, like teams know, Hey, he might shoot that. Um, so he draws those hard closeouts and it looked like he was a little faster getting to the rim than he was a year ago. Uh, which I, I like to see. That's going to be a big thing for me is he wasn't the biggest rim pressure guy. Um, I, I thought, again, you responded with the passing. Like one thing I, I had in my notes was like, it still feels like the passing is outpacing the numbers with him. Where he's one of those guys and it's like, oh, guard with like 29 points and two assists. I bet he's a ball hog. And you watch the games. It's like, nah, he can make some really nice mm -hmm. packet passes and reads out of pick and rolls. Like he's not, he's not just shooting. Like that is not how he plays. Um, I think the combination of his handle and quickness is still coming along uh, to an extent as he is getting quicker. Uh, like I mentioned yeah. earlier, he's getting the rim better. There was a play, I think it was in the second game of the year where they were playing again in IA school, uh, but he split a ball screen and it was really quick. It was something that he yep. could have done against division one competition. And then like a second later, he lost his handle. Like he got through and then like a defender came over to help and like he wasn't, 
I don't think he'd ever seen that before. Cause I don't know that he'd split a ball screen in a game before. Like it's just not something I'd seen him do very often. Um, Oh no, that was against Akron. Uh, I'll get through my notes here. Defensively, I think you're right. Like, I think again, it's one of those cases where because he's at a mid-major school, the effort needs to come along. Uh, but I like the body, um, the awareness and tools like aren't exceptional. Um, but I don't think he's a total disaster. Like I'm trying to think of like some of these like small school guards in recent years, like a, uh, like Max A. Smith was the guy where it was just like defensively, it's just never going to happen. <laughs> I don't think that's the case with Zeke Mayo because he's six, four, yeah. he's got, he's a little stocky. Um, I, I just want to see the effort be a little bit higher, which I know is again, difficult when you have to stay out of foul trouble, you have to be your team's offense, but I'm, I'm really liking Zeke. Do you think Zeke has like 2024 guy potential? Cause I like kind of didn't before the year. And I think it's probably going to be like, it's ultimately going to be one of those things where it's like, maybe it's best to go back or go back and transfer or do something else. But he's really good. He's really good. He's really, really good. I think that he's going to have, I think that he's going to have NBA teams like trying to talk him to come into a, in, into the draft, you know, with the allure that he might get like a guaranteed second round contract or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or maybe the, maybe the conversations are, Hey, we we probably are not taking you in the first round, but we want you on our team, you know. Yeah. And if we get you on our team with an undrafted contract, like then there's some Austin Reeves type potential for you, and like to make a lot of money really quickly, even though you're not a first round pick, right? So, I think that there there are pathways for him to be a 2024 guy. Really wish he would have transferred up, and like that's super selfish of me. Like, I wish Wesley Cardet would have did it. I wish Dylan Jones would have did it. I wish Tucker DeVries would have done it. You know, I like it. Stay small. Stay at the small schools. Give me some, give me something weird to watch. I'm about, yeah, I, I like, you know, you know, keep it weird. That that's cool. But like for them, like for their develop, like for them to like get the absolute best opportunity, you know what I mean? I think in some cases that's true. I think in some cases, like I always use the phrase, like exploring the studio space. I think for some guys, it's the best to just like be the man. Like, I think for some people, it helps so much just be in a setting where you kind of get to do whatever you want. You can kind of add to your game. I do think there is the opposite of that at times where guys can develop really bad habits. um, Yeah. And they miss out on certain things. I think for a guy like Zeke Mayo, where you're playing the guard spot, it's like, just keep doing it. Just keep keep keep. getting those reps in. because, like, I also think, like, Demarion Williams is a guy I covered for No Stone last year, yeah. where he was at Gardner Webb. He scored 14 points per game. He was like a 40% three point shooter in high volume, had some combo guard stuff to him, transferred to Texas Tech, and like, he's just down the rotation. Like, we're in year two yeah. of Demarion Williams, just like not getting minutes there after he was scoring like 15 points per game at a small school. So, I think there's a real risk to it. Um, I'm trying to remember who it was that I talked. To. Oh, it was when I talked to Spencer Jones. Like he was saying that he thought about the portal. Um, and this yeah. is a guy who's at a power five. But one thing that he mentioned was that like, you got your coach's trust and like, you're not going to rebuild that in like the same time span somewhere else. That's so, so big times, too. Yeah. So a lot of times it might just be like, I know they're telling me I'm going to get this role. I don't know if that's actually the role I'm going to have, but I know that this coach trusts me. And I know that yeah. I can kind of do whatever I want here. So I think it's super situational. I think for grass Zeke, is always more, greener. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if Zeke transfers after this year. Cause I think the A, yeah. like the NIL bag will be there. Um, and I do think maybe the next year could be like the diminishing return year for him. Right. Where it's like this year, 
okay, like you're fully entrenched as the guy, maybe one more year of that. And then afterward, it's like, does anyone really want to see him at South Dakota state for a fourth year? Yeah. Just don't do the, uh, you know, Jay and Bradley thing where you transfer to Arizona and you're going to like this crazy deep guard rotation. Like yeah. they're like big D one schools that these guys could go to, but then you run into like what JVL McCollum did for Oklahoma, mm-hmm. right? There's, there's a few guards there that he's playing with now, you know? So I don't know, like it's working out all right. I think for Aaron Estrada coming out of Hofstra yep. and playing for Alabama, he's had some good games. Like there's good and bad double-edged coin. Like ultimately like the, the, the reason for me bringing it up is like, I'll, I have seen Zeke dominate like mid-major competition. Mm-hmm. I want to see him do well against, I, basically I want every every box to be checked by him yeah. because I think that he has the opportunity to be a draftable prospect at, at, at a point of his choosing, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Uh, so that, that does it for the sicko session. So we're going to kind of wrap it up here. Uh, Steven, I know you mentioned your uh, Trevin Brazil piece uh, yeah. coming out. Uh, so stay tuned for that. That's out Tuesday, correct? Yeah. That's going to be out tomorrow for everybody listening, but Maxwell, I know that you had one guy you want to shout out. I think that maybe we kind of work this in as like a sub segment. Like okay. the yeah, the one, one more thing. Yeah, yeah one okay. More, yeah, one for the road. Whatever we want to call it, we're workshopping it. But mm-hmm. um, I wrote about this dude as in my rewatchable series in mm-hmm. the in the backcourt, and oh my goodness, is Cam Jones? Like I wrote in my film that his yeah. film or in my piece that his film has aged like like one of my favorite rewatchable prospects from last year. And my goodness, my dude has had back to back over 20 point performances. The shot looks pure. The passing looks all right. The defense looks all right. Like he is, he is an offensive dynamo right now for Marquette. It's interesting too. Cause he was one of those guys that like you would look at last year and you'd watch the game big like, man. Like he's really quick. He can really score. Like the passing is a little bit better than you would expect for a player that, like takes those kind of shots and things like that. Cause you have like a preconceived notion based on the play style, but he's not like that. And then you look at the numbers and say, like, Oh my God, these are, these are great numbers that he's got here. And it just seems like he is one of those guys that like weirdly never entered the conversation. Um, <clears throat> and now we're at a point where it just seems like you got to start talking about him. He's in um, my second round now. I moved him up. I'm like, I'm just, I'm just doing it now. I, I love them. Yeah. Cause like, it's going to be tough. Cause like the way that they play, if you're not named, uh, Oso Godaro or Tyler Cole, like you're not going to get a lot of on ball reps. So I don't know. If it's going to mm-hmm. stay like that, but four assists to 0.5 turnovers to two games. I know it's a small sample, but if he's going to defend like that and we know he can shoot like 37% on high volume throughout his college career, He's going to guard comes from a system that, you know, everybody loves like the, you hear the, the word on the street about how, how these kids are are playing and competing on a day in day out basis is very positive. Um, It's hard for me to think that if this stays the same, he's not going to get into that mix like this. That was a really good shout by you on the, on, on those columns because yeah, like he, his name just never comes up and never. the numbers are just kind of continuing to be undeniable. So I, I think he's a guy that if he's not on your radar now, he, he should be. 
All right. Well, who's your one for the road here? Uh, let's do. Uh, uh, yeah, we talked about BJ Freeman a little bit here. I'm just gonna, uh, kind of scrolling through my notes. Let's do Brooks Barnheiser at Northwestern, who I mentioned. Okay. So if you're in our Discord, which you can get as a No Sinks Plus member, I threw him out there the other day. There's a little bit of Jaime Hawkes in there. Uh, mm. He is very big. Like you just look at his body; he's like six seven or so, um, but just really thick, um, especially through his legs. Um, almost has like not like a Justin Lewis kind of body, because Justin Lewis is like a better athlete than him. But like Justin Lewis is just like big, and like you would look at mm-hmm. him and be like, oh, that's just like a tough guy to move. Like that's kind of how Barnheiser is built. Um, like same like concerns to a degree where Justin Lewis is like a little heavy footed and then Brooks can be a little heavy footed. Um, but he is very crafty and his footwork is awesome. Um, the shot is going to be a question for him. Like he, he can be a little bit inefficient. Uh, but he had a really good game against Dayton the other day. Um, 13 points, uh, 10 boards, three assists, two steals and a block. Um, he's over three from three on the year. And like, just kind of the same thing as Jaime, right? Like he was like a low volume guy, not super consistent from deep. Uh, but over like the final stretch last season, I think it was like final 11 games. He was 41% from three. The volume's got to get there. The three ball has to get there. But I think Brooks Barnheiser could be a guy that like ends up being a nice value play a year from Mm. now. Like, I don't think he's a this year guy, but I think he's somebody that it it could behoove teams to start being like, Oh, we should, should actually watch a Northwestern basketball game. Um, so he, that'll be my one more thing. Um, make sure you were following us uh, on Twitter at Stephen G hoops and at bound boards, a uh, Twitter slash X, I should say. Uh, sure. Make sure you're following at no ceilings NBA uh, and no ceilings NBA.com. Uh, subscribe there for all of our written content, no ceilings plus for bonus content, such as that discord personalized boards and all sorts of other goodies. Uh, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, some really great content that our guys have been putting up over there. Uh, film sessions, all sorts of film breakdowns, video scouting videos. Uh, lots and lots of great stuff coming down the pipe. There. There's so a make sure the show reviewed that. I'm really looking forward to. It's going to yes. be like the basketball only, like uh, your 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 Fox Sports, your ESPNs, like how they're all over the place or whatever. Mm-hmm. Review that's going to be like nothing but college hoops and NBA and. With the creative minds that we have at No Ceilings, dude, like this is going to be like something to look out for. Like I'm going to be tuning in like a fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really excited for that one. That's been something that's been in the works for a while. So make sure to tune in over there. Thank you for everyone who joined us. Thank you, especially the people that joined us live. I uh, have yes. chat here. It's a very fun component to the show. It makes it a lot more enjoyable for us. It makes it a lot more interactive. So if you haven't been tuning in, tune in. We record live around uh, 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh whenever 6 p.m uh, pacific for you yeah. west coast guy yeah uh, 7 p.m mountain time <laughs> uh so yeah so make sure aedt is like tomorrow i don't know how, yeah i don't know how time works yeah <laughs> but yeah make sure you're uh plugged into all of our channels and until then we'll see you guys next time much love y'all